Chucking It From The Cheap Seats is the newest podcast covering high school basketball. Head coach Josh Thompson interviews some of the most impactful people who make Hoosier hysteria great. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Subscribe to Chucking It From The Cheap Seats wherever you listen to your podcasts. On this week's Chucking It From The Cheap Seats podcast, Coach Thompson talks to Andy Weaver, the head coach at Plainfield High School. Coach Weaver is considered by many as one of the top high school coaches in the state of Indiana. In his career, which has spanned 30 years, he has won almost 400 games, and his teams at Pioneer, Western, and Plainfield have won seven sectionals and one regional title. Listen in this week as Coach Thompson and Coach Weaver talk hoops and more. As coaches, we're always looking to sharpen our axes. If you're like me and you love to read but struggle to find the time to make it through an entire 200-plus page book on personal development, look no farther. I've been using short form recently, and I love how it condenses materials and gives me a breakdown and summary of the chapters. Short form also has exercises that accompany the materials to allow you an opportunity to test your knowledge and help retain information to get a free unlimited trial and access to an additional 20% discount on the annual subscription. Join short form through my special link, shortform.com forward slash coach Thompson 44. Okay, so today on the uh, Chucking It from the Cheap Seats podcast brought to you by the Bari Media Class, uh, we are blessed to have Andy Weaver, the head coach at Plainfield High School, on with us today. Coach, thanks for taking time with us. Thanks, Coach. You know, Coach, I mentioned to you before we went on um, that you were a guy that, that over the last year or two that I've really wanted to have on this podcast. And, and I'm not just saying this because we're having a conversation. Like when I talk to, to guys around the state about, okay, who does this really well? Who does that really well? Like your name comes up in the conversation a lot. And I, like I said, I'm not just saying that because we're talking right now. Um, and so I really appreciate you hopping on with us. But what was it that led Andy Weaver to the coaching profession? Because you do it at a high level, but what was the reason that got you into it? Well, I, I, for me, I think it was just, uh, you know, growing up, uh, I loved high school basketball. Uh, my parents took me to games when I was elementary age and then through the middle school and, I, you know, playing high school basketball. Uh, I just fell in love with it. And um, I remember, um, you know, that senior year of playing, and I'm a 1984 graduate, um, regular season game, just uh, it hitting you and being pretty emotional that it's all going to come to an end. And then, um, you know, when our team was eliminated in the state tournament, it's just like, uh, for me, it was like, you know, a lot of people get emotional at graduation. It was like, uh, that was it. You know, that was, that was it. And I wanted it to continue. Mm-hmm. So, I was blessed to uh, to play for Bobby Smith at Clinton Prairie High School. He was my um, he was uh, our basketball coach through my junior year. And what I realized was how much he cared for the player and not just the wins or the losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I played for Myron Cheesem my senior year, and Myron Cheesem is dad to Kent Cheesem, mm-hmm. who. Uh, uh, you know, has coached at various stops throughout the state and is still coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Myron yeah, he, Cheesem was – He coached uh, right down the road from us here at Ligoti, at Ligoti. For, for a while. Yeah, yeah, he was at Ligoti after he was at Covington. And uh, and uh, Kent also coached at our alma mater, Clinton Prairie. And, and his dad was awesome too. But mm-hmm. to, to tell you about Bobby Smith, Bobby Smith coached through my junior year. And then as a senior, he's not even my coach. Mm-hmm. And I still remember he took me up to Manchester College. It's called Manchester College at the time, and he took me over to Rose Hallman, and he and he took me to to go watch their programs play and to see the campus because he cared about me as a player, mm-hmm. um, and he tried to really help me out, even though he still wasn't my coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that just that just that connection, uh, you know. I still those high school coaches. Uh, you know, it's awesome when I get a chance to talk to him still to this day. So that's kind of what got me into coaching was the love of the game and then figuring out that, man, you can build some great relationships with some good, with some awesome young kids throughout the years. Absolutely. You know, coach, you, you talk about knowing that you wanted to coach in high school, 
um, kind of take us through your journey of getting into coaching. You know, uh, what was your experience like in college? Did you do any coaching in college? And then wh- where did you get that first job, that first opportunity out of, out of college? Okay, well, uh, you know, I'm a Purdue grad, and I, I started working Purdue basketball camp there in the summers in the kind of the late 80s, mid to late 80s. Uh, and then while I was at Purdue, I, I ended up student teaching two spots at Lafayette Jefferson uh, and at Benton Central. Okay. And I did some middle school uh, uh, teaching out at Benton Central. I'm, I, I still to this day teach math. Mm-hmm. So uh, student teaching in math middle school at Benton Central, I, I got under a coach named uh, Nellie Bain, and um, he hooked me up with their freshman program. And so as a college kid, I got to be involved a little bit that way. And then my first job after high school was at Carroll Junior Senior High School. So there's Carroll of Allen County, yeah. of Fort Wayne, it's 4A, and then there's Carroll of Carroll County. Mm-hmm. Um that Delphi is another school in that County. And I was at Carroll of Carroll County. Um, and I started out 1989 and 90 as a freshman basketball coach. Uh, and I did that for a year. And then the next four years, um, uh, for me, I was a junior varsity coach at Carroll. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of how I got my start, start, uh, right out of college. You know, coach, you, you talk about, you know, those opportunities that you had there while you were at Purdue and coaching junior high basketball and coaching freshman basketball and, and kind of working your way up the ladder. It, it seems to me that maybe a recent trend, and, and maybe you feel differently, but a recent trend among a lot of coaches is they want to jump those steps. What what were some of the things that really that helped you as a coach coaching at those younger levels? Well, it's amazing. I look back and I learned so much from so many people, and uh, and even now, you know, I'm uh, getting ready for my 30th year as a varsity coach. Um, still learning, you know. We all don't have the answers, but you just you try to learn from your experiences. But I think learning from other people is so valuable. So at Carroll, I was under a guy named Ed Gehabe, um, and uh, I learned a lot from him. Uh, you know that I still kind of my coaching philosophy to this day but um you know i i truly believe you've got to you, you you've got to be yourself uh, but you 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 know as coaches we all tend to steal we still drills we still set plays uh etc but i just think that you just you, you got to learn how to work and uh because um to get a program where you want to get it to it does take a lot of work and uh um you know whether that's scouting opponents or it's practice planning or it's game planning with film or with your middle school teams or your youth teams or whatever, and and just learning how to kind of work the grind, Mm -hmm. I think is so important. And so, um, you know, I've had so many guys that, you know, that as assistants and then when they become head coach, they're like, wow, I didn't realize you had to do all of this. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I just think I, you know, I guess my advice would be if I'm a, if, if I'm a, if I'm a young coach coming out of college, if you can get on a staff of, of um, you know, someone that's experienced and someone that has got a great reputation and has had some, had some success, just try to be a sponge and, and try to learn everything that you can. Yeah, there's there's a lot of lessons you learn on those junior high bus rides <laughs> or, or driving the short bus and taking your freshman team, uh, you know, somewhere on a, on a road game in, in January, there, there's a lot of, a lot of lessons to be learned along the way, you know, coach, you, you know, you look on your career record and you've won 369 games. You're going to end up winning 400 easy in your career. But when you started out at pioneer in 1995, you didn't have immediate success. What What do you think has been the biggest secret to your longevity in, in coaching? Like you said, this is going to be year 30 for you. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I talked about my days at Carroll. My first varsity job was there at Pioneer. And I was there just three years. Mm-hmm. Um, small school. Uh, didn't get a lot of wins. Um, 
we ended up, it was still single class basketball then. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, uh, my last two years there, we drew Logan sport in the sectional. Uh, and they were, they were very talented at that time with players like Caleb Springer and, um, uh, Jason Young, uh, and Jason Young, uh, not the Jason Young that was the Avon coach that was with me at Plainfield. Yeah. Uh, but they, there was another Jason Young that played, I think, at a Iona mm-hmm. at, at, at the collegiate level. And um, they were just so talented. But we competed against those those two teams. We, I think we lost 55 to 53 in the 96 sectional. And then we had a 17-13 game in the 97 sectional. <laughs> High-scoring um, game. Yeah, high scoring game, and uh, we gave ourselves a chance to win and yeah. had a fourth quarter lead, and, and and just couldn't seal the deal. But then, I was fortunate enough to get the uh, the Western job uh, in Howard County, outside of Kokomo, uh-huh. uh, and I was there fifteen years. But the first, you know, at, at Western, uh, you know, we had a losing season. The the first, I think, at least the first three years uh, there, and really didn't get it going until the 2002-2003 uh, season. Uh, and we were able to kind of break through that season and win a sectional. And then we got on a really good run there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I come to Plainfield. Um, and when I came to Plainfield, uh, the first four seasons, if somebody just looks at the record, it's like, well, how did this guy survive? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of success as far as wins and losses, but we just kind of had to just stick to it and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, kind of change the culture of how we do things and get total player buy-in. And, uh, and then it's, it's been really good here uh, of late. So I, I think the answer to your question is um, you got to have patience. I'm not a move around guy. Yeah. Uh, it, it's tough to move a family uh, and those types of things. And I really thought, I really thought I'd stay at Western uh, for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And I was there for 15 years, and I wasn't necessarily job searching, but uh, uh, the Plainfield, you know, uh, job, it, it kind of reached out to me and to see if I had any interest. And at first I didn't. And then after looking into it, um, I decided I thought it'd be a great move for my family and a great move for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's turned out that way. So Yeah, it's definitely uh, turned out for you. Yeah, I've been blessed at, at all my stops to have great administrative support, um, and I've worked for, for some awesome athletic directors. I've also been fortunate to have some outstanding assistant coaches yeah. at, at every at, at all at all three spots, and guys that have coached with you know uh, with me for years. Mm-hmm. And so that left turnover with the coaching staff, I think, is important. Also, oh, I, I think that's key, and and like you said. You know, when you went to Plainfield, you know, you, you, the first couple of years were a struggle for you. Um, just from a wins and loss standpoint, everybody that knew you and, and, you know, saw your teams in the summer, like saw the big jump that you were making year to year. And then that really kind of a breakthrough year in 2017. But like you said, you had to have guys alongside you through the through the, those, you know, transitions and and implementing that culture that, that helps sustain that movement forward. Um, but, yeah, I, I can remember even back into your time at Western, being an assistant for Steve Brett at Ligoti and, and seeing your teams at Western uh, in, in the summer at D1 camp. And, you know, then when you took that Plainfield job, I remember that first summer that you brought those guys to camp, and I thought, oh, my, he's got some work on his hands. <laughs> but you, you guys you guys have done a tremendous job there at Plainfield over the years. Coach, what, what would you say is the biggest difference um, from being at a school like Western to a school like Plainfield? Well, um, you know, uh, enrollment-wise, I think Plainfield is, is probably doubled uh, what Western was. Um, but once you get going and you get going into the basketball program, I, I'm not sure there's, uh, you know, a ton of difference. Um, I mean, Western is on the outskirts of Kokomo, Mm-hmm. Uh, the types of kids that you get there. And then, you know, with Plainfield being on the, on the suburbs of Indianapolis, uh, that type of thing, I think kids are, you know, are kids for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I remember 
I remember when I first got here, I could feel the difference in enrollment just in the hallways, mm-hmm. the passing periods a little bit. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think as, as the, as time keeps going, um, you know, it took me a little bit of time to, to totally feel comfortable, get the coaching staff kind of established down here like we had at Western. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, we had we had some turnover with some assistant coaches there at the beginning of my time here at Plainfield. Yeah. Um, and um, so I, I just, again, I think it just took a little bit of time to, mm-hmm. to get going. Yeah. Well, Coach, you hit on this earlier about not being a big mover. You know, you've been at three different spots, but you talked about how difficult that was on on a family. Um, but I think just coaching in general is tough, uh, you know, on families. It, it's re- it's very rewarding in other respects. But how do you how do you balance that, Coach? Because I get that question a lot. Uh, how do you balance your time at home with being dedicated to Quaker basketball? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think guys, you know, like you and uh, me that have been in it a long time, um, you know, I, I think a big key is, uh, you know, the support you get with your immediate family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my wife, Shelly, she is a first grade teacher here at Plainfield. She taught elementary at, at Western as well. Um, and uh, she gets it. Um, she gets how much time it is. Uh, Etc. So I think, you know, for a coach to have a non-supporting spouse, their longevity in coaching just isn't going to last. I couldn't agree more. Um, and uh, so that's, that's been, uh, that's been huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I guess it's just, you know, as we go through and obviously, uh, you know, it's a year round deal, but especially from Thanksgiving through the state tournament. It's just kind of a style of life. It's what you do on the weekends, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I've got three kids of my own. I've got a senior son, and then I've got freshman twins that are boy girl. And mm-hmm. they just have grown up going to games. And uh, it, it's just kind of what we do. So um, of my three kids, um, uh, my freshman son's the only one that's kind of stuck with basketball all the way. But, uh-huh. my, other, but my other two um, – uh, they're some of my biggest supporters, uh, you know, after a big win or if you've had success and, you know, like we were able to, we were able to, to get the 2021 for a sectional title. And uh-huh. my oldest son uh, was, he was as happy as I was, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, he, he's not a player in our program. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, for them to support, support that it, it, it's been huge. But I think also that when you're, away from basketball and you were at one of their events or something that they're involved in, uh, you got to give it back. Um, or if you're doing something totally family oriented that has, doesn't have anything to do with the school event that you, um, that you spend quality time, uh, with those family members. Um, because as coaches, let's face it, even in the off season, we, we think about, we think about basketball all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we think about our rosters, we think about our opponents and what they got coming back and, um, and et cetera. Uh, so, but, but it's hard. It, it, it's hard because it, it does eat up so much of your time. Uh, but I think it's got to be a passion. All right. And, uh, um, but support is the key. No, I, I couldn't agree with everything you said more, Coach. It, it just – you see a lot of guys that become a head coach and then you, you see them do it for two, three, four, maybe five years, and then they get out. And I think a lot of that – and not all the time, but I think a lot of a lot of that issue is uh, just not having the support that you have been fortunate to have, that I've been fortunate – enough to have over the years because it, it puts a lot of stress and strain on, on the family. So you and I are, are very blessed in that respect. Coach, you just hit on something that is a, a hot topic for a lot of coaches. You, you talked about summer basketball. What What is your apo- approach there at Plainfield uh, to what you do in the summer workouts? Well, um, you know, we'll, we kind of look at it as, as two different months, two totally in- uh, different months in June and July. Mm-hmm. So uh, June for us is about evaluating our team. Um, 
you got graduation losses, so you're going to have a new team. And I, I think at a place like Plainfield and also a place like Western, um, I, this is true with all teams, but I think, I think team chemistry and putting the pieces to the puzzle together is so important. And so that's what we try to think about with June. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know you and I have been, again, we've been, both been to D1 camps, the same sessions many times. Mm-hmm. And we, we went to D1 camp this past summer. And, um, you know, our upcoming team this season uh, is comprised of some upperclassmen and some and some um, some younger players. We have some very talented younger players right now at Plainfield, and we have some good, experienced, talented older players. And blending them together uh, is is a big key. And so D1 Team Camp did that a lot. And so in June, just with our with our workouts and our strength training and everything else, uh, we try to focus on the team. In July, um, you know, after moratorium week, it's more individual skills. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at Plainfield, we're a big school, but we still have some multi-sport athletes. So um, we also know there's a little bit more, especially for the fall athlete in July. Um, they're going to be spending quite a bit of time on that on that fall sport as well. We want to support that. So mm-hmm. that's kind of our approach with the summer. That's that's good stuff. And, you know, it's good to hear, too, that you've got at Plainfield, uh, a big 4A school, that you've got multi-sport athletes still that you're dealing with there. Because I hear that a lot from small school coaches. Well, these guys at the 4A schools don't have to deal with that. And I'm like, yeah, they do. <laughs> They've got to deal with a lot of the same issues that we have to. Well, I tell our players this. I'm like, you're in high school one time. Mm-hmm. You play what you want to play. And ultimately, when it comes basketball season, uh, we're going to play We're going to play the best players, the players that have bought in, the players, a combination of best players, players that have bought in, players with a great attitude, players with a great work ethic. And it doesn't matter if you're if basketball is your only sport or if you're a two-sport athlete. And it, it is difficult to be a three-sport athlete yeah. in today's game. But we had one last year mm-hmm. that was a tennis, uh, basketball, baseball player. And he was one of our captains and, um, and, and, and a starter for us. But, um, but that's the way – that's kind of my message to the kids. You know, if you're in more than one sport, we'll make it work. Mm-hmm. Just, just communication is a big key. Yeah, I, I, I tell people that a lot. You hit on that C word, communication. One of the best athletes and, and probably best basketball players that I coached at Vincennes uh, was a kid named Caden Cotter who, who was a wide receiver at the Air Force Academy. Um, and, and Caden, because of different – football related things that were going on in the summer he couldn't be at a lot of the shootouts and and go with us to d1 camp and we talked through all that stuff in the spring but man when we when we had weights in the summer and we ran that together with the football team and when we did our workouts in the gym he was always in there with us he was invested and any time that he wasn't there we knew why he wasn't there and a lot of time it was a football related you know, workout that, that he was at, but he did a great job of communicating that. Um, For over 32 years, D1 Basketball has offered elite basketball camps and top-tier player development programs. Team camps, individual skills camps, and shooting camps can improve performance for you. New Indiana basketball camps impact performance like D1 Basketball. Since 1989, annual enrollment in D1 Basketball has grown from 80 to 3,500 players making it one of the largest individual basketball organizations in the Midwest. The mission of D1 Basketball is to help coaches and players maximize their performance. D1 Basketball Facts. D1 Basketball camps are exclusively endorsed by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. D1 team camps have hosted more high school sectional championship teams, final four teams, and Indiana All-Stars than any other camp shootout or summer tournament. D1 team camps provide the best chance for a school coach to work with all their teams in its top-tier competition from the South One of the things I, I wanted to ask you, in, and I just kind of mentioned one of, one of the individual kids that has played for me, uh, but who are some of the, the top guys uh, that, that have put on a uniform and played for Andy Weaver over the years? Um, you know, I, I've had some – 
I've had some awesome kids, obviously. And, um, you know, I'll start out by saying I'm going to miss a name or two uh, just because of the longevity that I've been at it. But, um, you know, for for me at, at Western, the first sectional we won was 2003. Mm-hmm. And that team had two 1,000-point uh, scores that were in the same class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were in that 2003 class, and, and their names were Alan Davidson and Josh Nelson. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2004, those two graduated. People thought we'd be down. <laughs> we actually came back with a better year and went 23-3, and three, I think. Won the sectional, um, uh, beat a good Andrean team in the regional, beat Knox in the regional championship, and got to the semi-state. Eventually, we got knocked out by Belmont. Mm-hmm. But that team just had so much balance, and it had seven seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a bunch of guys average between 8 and 14 points a game. Yeah. Uh, so we went from the 3 team that had two prolific scores on it to an 4 team that had a ton of balance. And then a uh, 2006 senior named Kyle uh, Irwin, we won the 06 sectional at Western. Uh, we won the 07 sectional at Western. A player, the, the name was Wes Dickinson. His senior year, he averaged 24. And he wow. was he, he was a stud. Mm-hmm. Um, and he played everything. Football, basketball, baseball at Western. One of the best athletes to ever go through there. Uh, we won the sectional in 2011, 2012. And that was, uh, we had the Larry Quinns. We had John Capps. We had a point guard named Quinn Fields. Um, and uh, I, and I didn't realize how you know I knew how that point guard position is so important. Um, and so I learned when I first got to Plainfield how much I really, really uh, missed Quinn. <laughs> um, and so developing the point guard play to this day is still so important to me. But then you know at Plainfield since I've been here, our our real breakout year we had winning seasons in seventeen and eighteen, but was. 1819. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we had Kate Gibbs and Jacob Gibbs that are playing for Grace College right now. Yes. Uh, and uh, I think we won 19 games that year. Uh, we started the season out 10 and 0. Uh, at that point, we had the number one Sagarin in the state. We mm-hmm. just had a great start to that season. Uh, we hit uh, a lot of adversity in February of that year, but then we got it kind of turned around. Uh, we were able to uh, upset a Brownsburg team that year at Brownsburg in the sectional. Uh, and we'd lost by 20 plus of them twice that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those, those two kids were outstanding for us. Uh, we had Kate East in 2020. Um, that was a senior, just feisty as could be. His younger brother's part of our team this year. Uh, our 21 seniors with like Aiden Boer, Aiden Moyers, um, Ian Scott is uh, on grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a stud. Dane Gardner went on to play college basketball. All those guys were 2021 seniors. Uh, Kale Vanderbush was a starter on that 21 team. Uh, he graduated in 22. He's currently at Iowa uh, as a tight end for football. Heck of an athlete. So those are some of the names that kind of, kind of you know, pop into my brain. I didn't mention any current players. Uh, we have, you know, we have, we have a handful of kids on, on our team now that I think will play at some, some level, uh, beyond high school collegiately. So, um, I've just been blessed to be around a lot of really good kids. Shotgun from the cheap seats is also brought to you by BSN Sports and Jeff Neal, their sales rep. Shop BSN Sports for a large selection of sports apparel and footwear, custom and stock Nike team uniforms, and sports equipment for your next winning season. Contact Jeff Neal at 812-204-3808 or visit bsnsports.com. Yeah, you know, Coach, and I, I, I say this, you know, tongue-in-cheek, but the, the thing that I found in my years of coaching are that really good players make you a good coach. <laughs> and yeah, you, absolutely. you've been, you've been blessed to have some really good ones on some of these good teams you've had. And I know, um, uh, Bryson Graber is a teammate at grace with, uh, the Gibbs boys and, and Ian Scott. And, and he just, he talks about how great of a teammate those guys are. You know, you, you talked about how you got to that number one Sadron 
in, in the entire state of Indiana. And I just think that's incredibly remarkable that you go from 2013 and you win five games. And, I, again, I, I saw what you had at D1 camp that, that summer. And so in seven or eight years, you go from where you started at Plainfield to the number one Sadron. And, and I just think that's remarkable. And that doesn't happen without a lot of a lot of hard work. And so I just want to commend you for that because you've done a tremendous job there at Plainfield. Coach, oh. uh, um, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Uh, you know, one thing that I definitely want to mention is, uh, you know, it, it, it takes it, it takes a, a lot of people, and the head coach usually gets too much credit uh, when things are going great and too much blame when it's not. I, you know, assistant coaches, uh, I mentioned Jason Young before. He was a longtime head coach at Avon. Uh, he's with me for the past six years. He's now the Avon athletic director, so – we're going to miss him. I've had Gavin Groniger on my staff, former mm-hmm. player, former Indian All-Star. He's been with me now. This will be his 11th season with me at Western. I had Bart Miller for all all my time there, all mm-hmm. 15 years. I had Rick Fields, Josh Larsh, Kevin Rick. Um, you know, I, I just have been blessed with so many good assistant coaches. But, uh, you know, you mentioned the Gibbs, the Gibbs boys and Ian Scott, the Grace players. Uh, you know, and you take, you know, those other players that I mentioned here at Plainfield, uh, they just, they became, um, they became playing for each other mm-hmm. and just such great attitudes that you knew they were going to have success after high school, both on the court and off the court. And I think that all translates. So you've got to have, you got to have a lot of people, players and other coaches on your staff, et cetera all kind of pulling the rope in the same direction and and that that's been a big key absolutely you gotta have everybody rowing that boat because if if somebody sticks their oar in the water <laughs> that that causes a lot of trouble you you also hit on something coach i love that you said that i think sometimes head coaches get way too much credit and they they get way too much blame for things um that that was good that was great perspective but you know now you're you're moving on uh, from getting that getting that program turned around, and one of the things that coaches have to do to sustain their programs is to run a good, solid feeder program. What are some skills that you want your coaches really focusing on down through the grades? Well, I you know I think this. I think there's a couple things that when it comes to basketball, I think I think footwork is huge, mm-hmm. and. Um, so it, it, it's it's stuff that you know as young kids it's it's it, it's hard to it's hard to get them to do it right like mm-hmm. with your youth camps and stuff like that. But if if you can if you can teach pivot foot uh, pivot foot uh, jump stopping, uh, I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, passing skills, utilizing pass fakes, um, uh, and etc. Two hands on every pass, two hands on every catch. Uh, Utilizing your weak hand, you know, for ball handling drills, uh, for finishing drills, and etc. Um, even though they might struggle, all right, when they're third, fourth, fifth grade with that, I just think you've got to just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. Absolutely. And I think I think those things will pay dividends, you know, through the middle school years, and then eventually when they get to high school. You know, coach, um, you know when when people look at the Plainfield program right now, obviously, you know, you, you get a lot of credit for doing things and getting things turned around and you've given a lot of credit to your players and your assistant coaches, but what is it that you want to be known for? Like when people think Plainfield Quaker basketball, it, what is it on the offensive end, the defensive end with the culture that you want really to stick out to people? Um, well, I, I think, I think that, you know, some things that kind of pop up into, into my head when you ask that question would be um, they're, they're a team that's going to play hard and they're going to play very unselfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and because just with the, you know, we upped our schedule for this upcoming season without question. And it'll be the most challenging schedule that, that I've been a part of mm-hmm. what we're getting ready for this upcoming season. Um, you know, to just say, hey, we're going to uh, 
uh, we're going to just, uh, we got this dude that can go out and, and get us 30 uh, against these great athletes on some of these other teams that we're going to play. Uh, you know, I, I just think that we have to play so much together. We have to trust each other. And so I, that would be what I think, you know, I would want is, man, they play hard. They play the right way. They play together. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I've learned the hard way. I, I hope that people look at us and say, hey, they're, they're very well prepared defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned that Western team that kind of broke through in 2003. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the year before that, we had those same 2,000-point scores, and we went 9-12. and 12. Mm-hmm. And um, we averaged 69 points a game. Yeah. But we gave 65. Mm-hmm. And so going 9-12, and 12, and so we lost some close games that year. But giving up 65 points a game, uh, you know, 21 years ago, I had to look myself in the mirror and say, okay, something's got to change. Yeah. And the math person in me is like, that defensive average cannot be that. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm big on I'm big on differential. What your differential is is what's important. Yeah. But uh, we weren't scoring 80 and giving up 65. Mm-hmm. We were only scoring 69. So we only had about a four-point differential. Yeah. So the following year, we got the defensive average down to 57. Mm-hmm. And so um, we were able to take eight points off of it. And then in 2004, our defensive average was uh, 51. So mm-hmm. we took six more points off of it. Yeah. And that's the team that made the 3A semi-state. So, um, you know, our 21 team that won the sectional gave up 46 a game. Our mm-hmm. 2020 team won 20 games. We got beat by Brownsburg in the sectional final. But it gave up 45. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, with the playing hard and playing together and playing unselfish, I would hope that people would say, okay, they're they're prepared defensively. Well, Coach, I'll, I'll tell you this, and I know you don't spend a lot of time preparing for D1 camp, but the teams that I've seen you put on the floor uh, at camp and, uh, and been able to see different things from over the years – they play hard, they play together, and they play defense. So I would agree with you on every one of those points. Coach, um, you know, there's things that, that I get asked a lot from other coaches, um, you know, about how you run your feeder program, how do you do this. Um, you know, maybe sometimes it's a fundraising question about how do you, you know, raise some money to, to pay for your teams to do different things in the spring and the summer, whether it be feeder program or high school. But w- one question that invariably comes up all the time or a topic is how do you deal with parents and what's your best advice for young coaches going into this deal um, and and dealing with parents? Well, I I think the one thing is that, you know, um, you know, parents can be so supportive and can be so valuable. And what I mean by that is I think in, in today's, um, in today's world, you know, with high school, with the number of sports that high schools and athletic programs have to support, um, you know, we're fortunate here at, at Plainfield, and I also had the same thing at Western, to have a great parent group. And with the fundraising that we do, uh, we organize a parent group. We call them the Fast Break Club. Um, and uh, with the money that we raise, then we're able to – help with you know expenses that come throughout the year like um paying for summer you know like if you go to a summer shootout or um if our our parent group now buys our practice packs for example uh food for after games um you know a shooting machine you know those types of things and uh you know i've always been a believer that i'm not going to run the money Mm -hmm. uh but our parent group runs the money. So yeah. the money that comes in, they know exactly where it goes out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so parents, first of all, can be so supportive and, you know, utilize right. But, you know, when there is an issue uh, and a parent, you know, is more than likely going to talk about a player's playing time or role on a team, mm-hmm. I think my advice to young coaches would be make sure you just address the issue and don't take off on tangents that will involve other discussions. Mm-hmm. And um, and so without question, uh, you should never talk about other other players mm-hmm. to a parent other than their kid. Yeah. 
Um, and I, that would be, that would be, you know, my first advice. And then my second advice would be, be upfront and honest, uh, kind of don't beat around the bush. And, and, and sometimes the truth is what they need to hear. And maybe the truth is not what they want to hear, but, um, I find that if you do that and you're, and you're upfront and honest with it, um, uh, the situation can get resolved a lot more quick. Absolutely. Coach, what's what's one thing, one area that you feel like you're way better at in year 30 than you were in year one or two? I would say um, well, that's a great question. Um, you know, you hope, you're, you, you hope you've improved in a lot of different areas from mm-hmm. planning practice to managing your time to etc. I, I would say for me, it's trusting and utilizing uh, the assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to put on the practice plan and, uh, you know, and, and practice. I'd go into practice and you just, you know, you take care of the ball handling drills, you take care of the shooting drills, and uh, then you get the team offense and putting in your offensive sets or your out-of-bound plays or, uh, you know, whatever it may be. So, through the years, uh, uh, you know, we get together as a staff and almost kind of like a kind of like what football maybe does, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is say, OK, uh, you know, who wants to kind of take this area, you know, and kind of be in charge of it? So, you know, I, I kind of have a coach that's a little bit more in charge of defense. I've got another coach that's in charge of maybe some out of bounds plays mm-hmm. or a coach that's in charge of ball handling drills and those types of things. And I have found that. Um, you know, players that hear those different voices and things in practice, um, I think it's important. Plus, the coaches on your staff, uh, one, they're going to have energy, and, and two, um, they know the game. And so you've got to utilize them. I, you know, I just think that if you, if you have an assistant coach and you're not utilizing their abilities, then you're hurting the team. So kind of defining some roles with your coaching staff it's kind of, for me, kind of like defining roles with players on your team. So I've gotten a lot better with that than I say uh, in the very early years. And that obviously can happen uh, a lot easier when you retain your staff as well. No, I, I, I think that's that's right. When you retain guys and you develop that trust, that makes that a lot easier. I know I'm way better at that now, and it's, and it's really something I need to continue to work on um, and giving my coaches, you know, more flexibility to do different things in practice. But I liked what you said about the fact that, you know, when you give them and you empower them to do different things in practice, number one, you're showing them that you believe in them as assistant coaches, but I think the kids see that. And so, you know, whenever you ask for their input at halftime or, you know, you want them to say something after the game or ask them for their thoughts on something, I think when the kids see them more engaged in practice and empowered in practice, then then they take that, what, what you know, the suggestions they're giving at halftime or after the game, um, you know, as more important and, and better input. The other thing that I, I have caught myself on um, you know, you talked about some of the, your former assistants that went on to be head coaches. I've got a guy on my staff that's a really good assistant, Robert Sullivan, who's our freshman coach right now, and he wants to be a head coach himself. And so I was looking at some things over the summer, and I'm like, you know what? I need to give him more of an opportunity to to plan things and, and to run things. So what I started to do this fall is we've got, you know, the two days a week, two hours a day that we can have our workouts on the court. And so I told him, I said, I'm going to take every Monday and this is what I'm going to, I'm going to do Monday and playing Monday, but on Wednesday, you take that, you have ownership of Wednesday and Wednesday's yours. So that's something that, that I've started to do with my assistants, especially with Robert who wants to be a head coach. But I, I loved what you said that you gotta, you gotta give those guys some opportunities to grow. Yeah, without question. And uh, I have found that, I have found that we can get a lot better in certain areas mm-hmm. because they can really focus on that. And if you try to take everything, um, you know, like, you know, you, you talked about everything that, that goes on the yeah. school day, teaching class, your family, et cetera. Yeah. Then something this, you know, some area of basketball, whether it's whatever it may be, it might be how to defend certain screens or, you know, defensive assignments or, mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, uh, 
maybe you know the head coach just does it all himself and you're you're uh you're just running your same old out of bounds plays that you ran for 30 years that you know yeah. some of the better people you play every year they can call them before you call them so <laughs> yeah. you've got to keep you got to keep those guys on your toes and put in a new wrinkle here and there and if you give a guy that responsibility they're always they're always researching ways to to maybe score the ball from the out of bounds plays and, mm-hmm. and they come up with some great stuff that you just if you just took everything yourself, you wouldn't have the time to do. No, there's there's just absolutely no way you can do it. So, Coach, uh, as we kind of draw to the end of the podcast here, we, we get a little lighter on some things, but what does Coach Weaver do when he's away from basketball, um, maybe as a hobby, maybe as a stress reliever? You know, is it is it running, working out, fishing? What 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 do you enjoy doing away from the game? Um, well, uh, in all honesty um, – for me, um, you know, I enjoy spending time with my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're big Purdue fans, and so I know it kind of sticks with the sports theme. But we're we don't miss we don't we try to we try to at least record every Purdue football and every Purdue basketball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we can watch them live, we do. Yeah, uh, and so all my kids and my wife, we're just uh, we all get into those those two sports at Purdue is Purdue football and Purdue basketball. Um, and so that's one thing. Um, you know, I like to vacation with our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to do something every summer, uh, spend some time together. And whether that's a Florida going to a beach vacation or whatever the case may be, um, you know, golf, uh, I don't play near as much as I did say 20 to 30 years ago before I had kids because, it takes a lot of time, mm-hmm. and two, it takes like, takes some cash to play some golf. <laughs> yeah, it um, does. But I did enjoy hanging out with the guys mm-hmm. when when you do go golfing or a golf outing, um, and so I, I do enjoy that part of it. But um, those are those are some of the things. Uh, you know, I'm not getting any younger. I'm in my fifties now, so I do enjoy. Trying to my wife and I in Plainfield, they have a, they have a, a lot of trails you can go for walks. So mm-hmm. I know how important just uh, at my age um, walking and trying to drink a lot of water and, and, and stay as stay as uh, energetic as you can is. But I enjoy that time with my wife mm-hmm. uh, a lot, and so uh, we enjoy a date night here and there, just her and I. Um, and one thing since we've been at Plainfield. Uh, I've been here now for 12 years. I don't know how many Pacer games I've been to, but I probably go somewhere between uh, anywhere from four or five games a year to maybe uh, seven or eight Pacer games a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we can get downtown and we can get to Gamebridge Fieldhouse in about 25 minutes from where we live. And so uh, those opportunities uh, happen more frequently now than they did when I lived up in the Kokomo area. So, those um, things to do. Yeah, you're talking about taking advantage of of your geography. It's about a whole hour and forty five minute trip for us to get to Gainbridge for a for a Pacer game. But yeah, Coach, you talked about taking your wife out on a date night. Where's Where's the hot spot there in Plainfield? Um, I'd probably say we'd probably go to a restaurant called Stone Creek more than any. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as when we want to splurge, mm-hmm. uh, and so. Uh, it's, it's a pretty nice restaurant. Uh, but you know, we have so many, again, we're so close to that indie area Oh yeah. that, uh, uh, you know, I like to eat big eater. <laughs> and so there's so many good restaurants. So like when you're celebrating a birthday or an anniversary, there's, there's lots of good places to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was glad to see you're a little more high class than Applebee's, but, <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's a lot of choices. I'm sure they're in Plainfield coach. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff out there um, that you can use as resources to help you as a coach. What's something that you go to, maybe somebody you follow on Twitter or or a, or a book or, or something that you go to a lot to, to get new, fresh ideas? Um, you know, I, I think – I think the one thing now that I see on, on social media and like on, on Twitter is people will – you know, there's these basketball guys that, man, they're, they're putting out all these offensive actions and sets and, 
baseline out of bounds plays and et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as the game is, you take a look, and I, I do think that things can filter from the pro game to the college game to the high school game. And, mm-hmm. you know, in high school, we, we still don't operate with the shot clock, but, but like just zoom actions and things that you see people running at, you know, at, at those levels that trickled down into high school. And so, again, as coaches, we all try to steal good actions that we think will fit our team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, just some of that stuff, I think, um, you know, is, is where I'm where I kind of steal some stuff. I do. I'm old school. I still like going to clinics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously there's the IBCA clinic in the spring. But next week uh, I'm going to go down to Bloomington for this feel for the game. And, I'm, I'm uh, planning on being there, so I look forward okay. to seeing you. Yeah. Yeah, and I know Heath Allington down at Evansville Memorial and Nate Kanjani at, at Whiteland, who's one of our conference coaches, outstanding young coach. Um, you know, they kind of they kind of headed up that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, it's just coaches sharing with each other. And so that's one of the things that I like, you know, about – going to a clinic or being at team camp and being around coaches uh, is you get to uh, pick their brains and steal and and do all those things. So, um, you know, those are some of the things that, you know, where I I try to say, okay, what can we add to our arsenal? Mm -hmm. Coach, uh, I got two questions left for you. One is I heard you speak at the HBCA clinic. You came down to Southern Indiana and Bloomington one year, and you, you talked at the HBCA clinic, and you talked about zone offense. and And one of the biggest reasons why you said that you had to really focus on that that part of your offensive philosophy and approach as a coach is because when you were at Western, coaching against Basil Malby, and you know out, outside of Basil, and you can talk about him a little bit. Who are a couple guys that that you've had to coach against over the years? that just stick out that, man, those guys made me a better coach? Well, definitely Basil was one of them, um, you know, and, and Basil had uh, obviously has a lot of wins and uh, and has a couple state championships at, at Connersville and, and at Lewis Cass. Um, and you're right. Uh, you know, I talked about that 03 and 04 teams we had at Western and and scoring against his zone was tough. Mm-hmm. And so it made you a better coach. It made you think about how you could, how you could uh, to maybe try to try to steal a bucket here or there. But the, the one really like thing that I admired in Basil was um, it didn't matter if he was a heavy favorite on you. You could see him out scouting and how much he prepared for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you might put in a new action, and I remember this. We we ran an action against him in '03, and it was a great action. We ran against Basil one time, and and we ended up screening, um, you know, doing quite a bit of screen on the bottom of the zone to try to get a layup. And we were screening the middleman. Uh, we got it in the first half, and we didn't get it in the second half. And I just remember him saying the comment, you, you took up our whole halftime on that one set, <laughs> but he got it stopped. Yeah. And, uh, you know, anything that you ran prior to playing him, um, you know, he, he would know about because he just didn't look at one or two films. He looked at them all. Looked at every one and, of them. And so, um, you know, uh, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely trying to score against him was tough. I remember playing Plymouth in the 06 uh, regional and Jack Edison up there, a longtime coach, uh, tons of success. Um, I just remember how physical and tough uh, they were. And um, they were very, very difficult to score against as well. But, you know, I'm going to go back to uh, the 3A sectional that I was a part of for 15 years. And uh, that sectional uh, just was comprised of some great coaches. Uh, David Wood at West Lafayette. Oh, yeah. uh, you had Jim. You had Jim Gish at Northwestern, um, and Jim and I are close friends to this day. Uh, you had Ken Adams at Twin Lakes, and th- those guys are competitive. Uh, they're all feisty, uh, but they're all quality quality individuals off the court. Um, and uh, you know, uh, but 
those were battles and those, those were, those were tough guys to go against. And now that I'm at Plainfield, uh, you know, Todd Wolfley at Tarot North is, mm-hmm. is one of the, one of the best prepared coaches there is. And, yes. um, he kind of, uh, he plays man, but, um, when we call something out, he pretty much, he pretty much can call it out and know it himself. And, mm-hmm. um, he's very well prepared and, and does, and does things the right way. And obviously Steve Lynch at Brownsburg, um, has, uh, has been very successful and they're very defensive oriented and tough to score on. And, um, you know, Avon's got a young coach in coach Shouse that, uh, I think has a very bright future in the game of, uh, of basketball coaching. And so, um, you know, we have a lot of challenges within our own sectional right now. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Well, last last question is you talked about this earlier, you know, how things trickle down from the pro game to the college game to the high school game. What is your opinion, number one, on the shot clock? And number two, what direction do you think we're going to go in here in Indiana? So two parts to that question. Well, um, you know, as far as am I for or against the shot clock, um, and I know that, you know, I was part of the 17-13 game um, back in 97 in that sectional, and uh, we were the team that kept it low uh, and et cetera. But now that we're class basketball, um, I guess if you have to say am I for it or against it, I, I think maybe it's time. Mm-hmm. Um, because we see it at the collegiate level, we you know, uh, and we see it at the collegiate level uh, at all levels of collegiate play, and um, you know that's the thing we've got. We've got three guys at Grace playing NAIA, and mm-hmm. it's such a high level of basketball. Oh yeah, I mean those three players are so good, and we've got uh, we've got a couple kids that are playing D three ball, and the level there is so good. Mm-hmm. But you see it at all those levels. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it, it's awesome if you have a kid that goes on to the Division One level um, and et cetera. And, um, but there's, it's at every level of collegiate basketball. And you want to, there's so many kids that love basketball. You want to give them the opportunities for the next level. Mm-hmm. So um, I, think, I think maybe if you have the experience with the shot clock in high school, it can it can translate maybe help that player for down the road for college. Make so that, make that transition a little smoother. Yeah. So, but I'm not I'm not like adamant about like mm-hmm. real strong opinion about it. Um, and then I think was the second part of your question. Do I think it's coming? Um, I think maybe it is, but I still think we're a ways away from it happening. I'd be shocked for it to come into the high school game in the next two to three years no I, I i agree with you on both those parts i i think it's coming i do think it's probably time for it to come but it's it still weighs out well and coach i i do appreciate you touching on those players that you have at the nai level because i just don't think people appreciate how good that level of basketball is it's really really good basketball and oh, it's uh, it, it's outstanding and uh you know that's that's the thing, and I think I think the key for a kid moving on to the next level is if they can find if they can find a school that meets their academic mm-hmm. goals. Uh, obviously, that's you know that's the reason why you go to college, and uh, the ball stops bouncing for everyone at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, getting that education and finding something that you want to. Uh, Pursuing life from a career standpoint is important, so you've got to find that fit. But I think I think the players that find the right basketball uh, culture, coaching staff at that collegiate level, they end up having the best experiences. Um, and uh, that's what people don't understand. Like, I think I'll go play NAIA. Well, uh, <laughs> it, it, you better be pretty doggone good if you're going to go play at that level. So, yeah, that's um, what I always tell people about my playing days at Hanover College. And Brandon Hoffman was a uh, a who's a head coach at Silver Creek. He was one of my college teammates, and I always joke with him. I was like, "Yeah, I showed up on campus, and I thought I was just absolutely going to dominate Division Three basketball." And I found out real quick that that wasn't going to be the case. Coach, I cannot thank you enough for being on with us today and giving us as much time and as much insight um, to 
different things that you have done over the years and advice that you've got for young assistant coaches. Um, I want to wish you and the, the Quaker basketball team the best of luck this year. Hey, thanks, Coach, and good luck to you down at Bar Reeve. Uh, you've had a ton of success um, and, uh, re, you know, recent success there. Uh, you know, I've seen you in that state championship game. So, um, continued success, and it was great talking to you. All right, Coach. Best of luck to you, and have a great weekend, and take the wife out to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you too. And it looks like I'm going to see you next Friday at that Feel for the Game basketball clinic down in Bloomington. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Thanks a lot. All right. Me too. Thank you.